Superman Forever Radio, Episode 118, Superboy Meets Steelboy. Rocketed from a distant planet to a bold new destiny on Earth. Found by a Kansas family and raised as Clark Kent, he learned he possessed the strength of steel, the speed of light, and the desire to help all mankind. He is Superboy. Hello and welcome to the Superman Forever radio podcast. My name is Bob Fisher. This is a podcast where I talk about Superman from 1938 Action Comics number one to current day. 80 years of Superman comics. Hope there's something to talk about. (laughs) Welcome. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, This is another Superboy episode. And, uh, um, you know, every other episode or so, I'm going to go back and talk about the adventures of Superman when he was a boy. Now, the last time I did this was way back in episode 116. (laughs) I actually did it back in one of the episodes in the 90s, I forgot, uh, as part of one of the Mantio uh, collection. If you want to know what the Manio collection is, um, check out episode 79. It'll tell you all about my history and how I became the host of um, this here podcast and how I became a fan of Superman. So episode 79. But this episode today is about uh, Superboy meeting Steel Boy. And the last time we got together on a Superboy episode, like I said, was episode 116, where I talked about the origin of the Silver Age Superboy. Now, why do I say Silver Age? Because the Silver slash Bronze Age, Bronze Age Superman, say that five times real fast, uh, is the only Superman uh, that was Superboy. So that 50, 60 years of, or 50 years of comics, 45 years of comic time period um, from 1944 to 19, um, well, 85, 86, I guess. Uh, Superboy was Superman as a boy. So in episode 116, I talked all about that, how hard it was for Siegel to get his Superboy creation published and uh, why it was so hard and et cetera, et cetera. All the details behind the scenes and what happened on the page and how I justify More Fun Comics number 101 in that first origin story of Superboy as the first Silver Age story, even way back in 1944. So uh, worth checking out, I think, if you're into Superboy, episode 116. But this is episode 118. And I thought here at the beginning, in the opening, I'd talk a little bit about his cast, because Superboy, like Superman, has his own cast of characters there in Smallville. Uh, And Smallville that I'm going to talk about in the Silver Age is not the Smallville uh, of Tom Welling and crew, okay? They took some ideas from the Silver Age, of course, but this is separate from that. That's a whole thing unto itself. This is the Silver Age Superboy and his cast of characters. Uh, Some people will say, oh, they're just copies of the Superman. No, they're not. It's an entirely different set of stories, an entirely different cast. And uh, we'll start with the Kents. Jonathan and Martha Kent, Ma and Pa. Now, in the silver during the Silver Age, in the adult life of Superman, the Kents uh, were no longer around. They had died. 
so if you're familiar with most of the live action Superman stuff, whether it be the George Reeves, the George Reeves TV show, uh, the episode Superman on Earth, or the Christopher Reeve movie, or uh, any other live action that I can think of. Well, oh, except uh, I keep forgetting Lois and Clark. But um, prior to that, the Kents were not around in the adult Superman's life. They died shortly after Clark graduated from high school. And then Superboy left Smallville. Clark went on to Metropolis University, where uh, he fell in love with a mermaid and had other adventures. <laughs> yes, and we will talk about Lori at some point. Uh, but right now we're still in Smallville of the Silver Age comics, which is different than most of the other stories you may have seen in live action, whether it be Smallville or later comics. Because in the Silver Age, if if someone were to just ask you point blank, uh, what did the what did Jonathan and Martha Kent do for a living? What were the Kent's occupation? Most people would just say farmers because you know Smallville and uh, the Christopher Reeve movies and uh, the George Reeves TV show. That's what they are. They're farmers. And in most cases, Jonathan dies, but apparently Martha lives. And sometimes he would talk to her, and sometimes he wouldn't. Uh, after the Burn reboot in the eighties. The Kents were alive during the adult life of Superman, and he would fly back to Smallville regularly to talk to them. Um, but during the time period we're talking about here, the Silver Age of Superman, the Kents were alive only during the life of uh, Superboy, the young Clark Kent, not Superman. And shortly after Superboy made his big splash in 1944, it didn't take long before they needed to do more stories about the Kents because now this is all about Smallville, really, and Superboy and the Kents and uh, his other cast of characters, which we'll get to in a second. So uh, they made some changes. And one of the major changes, uh, and shortly after Superboy made his appearance, one of the major changes is that the Kents sold the farm and bought a bought uh, the general store in downtown Smallville and a house just on the outskirts, walking distance to the general store. And uh, their next door neighbor was uh, the Langs, Lana Lang. So that's the Kents. The Kents now own a general store. They're not farmers, okay? And they basically, in story, gave the explanation that because Clark's career, this was something that, that um, you know, would benefit Clark's career. And he needed to be, because at this time in the Silver Age, now remember, from the age of 10 years old, he was wearing the costume and being called Superboy. So the Kents thought this would be better for him if they moved into town and gave him a, a better opportunity and that's how the, the whole disguise came about of Clark Kent and uh, those things when he obviously went, went, went public. Now, in the Kent's home, we'll get to the general store later in another episode, but right now, so they bought this house, this small house, and uh, so that's the Kent's, and they have this little house. And now downstairs in the basement, Clark built a trophy room where he has his little super trophies and a trap door and a tunnel. And he built this tunnel 
so he could, when needed, fly down through the tunnel in the basement and out, which took him to the woods of Smallville Woods, far away from the house in the other direction. So um, when Chief Parker, ah, who's Chief Parker? Chief Parker is the chief of police in the Smallville Police. And I think it's interesting because they do show police officers periodically, but you don't get a feeling that it's a huge police force, that it's basically Chief Parker. It's, it's again, Mayberry. So it's, it's uh, Andy Taylor and Barney. Although I don't remember too many stories of them having, you know, comical police things going on like Barney. But I'm sure they did. It was the Silver Age. But when an emergency rose and Chief Parker needed Superboy, he pushed a button and a lamp in the Kent's living room would blink on and off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he also had a, a light in down in his trophy room in the basement in his workshop. Uh, that would blink on and off as well. And there are some interesting and fun little stories about Lana being there and uh, the lamp flashing and, oh, I need to fix that and blah, blah, blah. So, but when he would go into the tunnel, he would fly through the tunnel, out through the woods. And when Chief Parker saw him flying, he was flying into the police station from a different direction than the Kent's home. So, you know, very clever. So who did I mention this? So the Chief Parker is kind of the Commissioner Gordon. He's the main police guy and he's a friend and a good guy. And he's not a dummy. They don't make the police stupid in these, in, for the most part, in these stories, So, which is kind of nice. So, ah, but the next door neighbor to the Kent's is Lana Lang, the Langs. We don't see a lot of the adult Langs, but in an episode back in the, of this show, I think it was 96 or something like that, we did a Superboy from one of the Mandio comics, as I mentioned earlier, and we saw uh, Lana's younger brother, and that was the only time we saw him. She doesn't have a brother. Um, I think they've given her a brother two different times and two different names and two different eras, but it never really stuck. But anyway, next door. So anyway, Lana Lang. Yes, Lana Lang. And people will say Lana Lang uh, in the next cast of characters of the Superboy uh, cast. A lot of people will say, well, Lana is just the, you know, uh, teenage version of Lois with red hair. No, no, she's not. They are totally different characters. True, they both have a crush on the super side and are not particularly nice to the Kent side or the Clark side. They, they love the Kents, but Clark, you know how they treat Clark. But And they're both trying to discover whether Clark is Superman boy, but in totally different ways. And uh, uh, I always, as a kid, wanted Elena Lang. Like Lois had her book and Jimmy had his book. Uh, I think a Lana Lang book, you know, would have been terrific. Superboy's, because that's a question mark. Was she his girlfriend? Yes or no? Well, yes, when the plot needed it. No, when she was just being, you know, cantankerous or he wanted to teach her a lesson. They did that a lot in the Silver Age, do these weird practical jokes uh, to teach the other one a lesson. But anyway, that's the other cast. So we've got the Kents who are still alive during the Superboy era, uh, Chief Parker, Lana Lang, and his best friend, Pete Ross. Now, we'll do a special show on Pete. We'll probably do a special episode as we go down further down the road um, for all of these characters, featuring all of them. But Pete Ross was Clark's best friend. And when I say best friend, I mean this is 
the absolute definition of best friend ever. So, um, and he's never been treated properly, I don't think, in any of the live action or anywhere else that I've ever seen. They always have him grow up to be, to not have a particularly good life. Well, not always. A couple of times he's done some stuff. But anyway, particularly in live action, and I hated what they did with him in The Man of Steel. Well, some of it, the adult him working at a, whatever. We're not going there right now. But in the comics of the Silver Age, Pete Ross was Superboy's best friend, Clark Kent's best friend. And I do mean best friend. Well, before we even get to his special, we'll say this. Pete is the only one other than the Kents, of course, that knows uh, Clark is Superboy. And we'll talk about how he found that out in a future episode. But he never told Superboy that he knew. And he would use that information, not for his own uh, uh, self or selfish things that he could have done with that information. But for example, we saw, uh, I mentioned earlier, the flashing light in the living room. There's many times when Superboy Pete and Lana are at Clark's house doing something, studying, the light starts to flash, and Pete will cause a disruption or a distraction for Lana, knowing that Clark has to get away. But Clark just thinks to himself, wow, that's lucky that Pete did, wow, wow, etc., etc. Best friend ever. So we'll talk about Pete in the future. But that's really the main cast of characters. Now, we will see some of the, main, some of the characters that show up in Superman will also show up in, in uh, Superboy. They retconned it a little bit that Lex Luthor also grew up in Smallville. And uh, his baldness was um, an accident. So, and he blamed Superboy for that. So we'll 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 talk about this. So Lex was there, and there's not Mixes Pitalik shows up. Um, there there's so many wonderful wonderful things that happen, and with the time tricks that they can play. Um, and we'll get to those in many of the future episodes. We're we're you know we're going to be here for a while. So uh, so anyway, that's his main cast of characters: uh, the Kents, Lana, Chief Parker. Um, and uh, Pete Ross. I love the idea, by the way, let's go back to this. I love the idea of them running the general store instead of the farm. It brings up all kinds of uh, uh, interactions with other people, potential storylines. And they do it all the time. Somebody comes into the general store looking for something weird and, uh, you know, there's a mystery of some kind and the game is afoot. So, um you know, I, I, I just really, really love this era of Superboy. So now that I've kind of given you those are his characters and his little cast, we're going to talk about an, uh, an uh, issue today that really deals with none of them. <laughs> oh, it's funny. I know, I know. Uh, Lana is kind of in it. The Kents or Ma Ken is in it, but as a setup and an ending, that really has nothing to do with the, the actual story. But we'll get to that, all of that, in, in a few seconds. But right now, uh, right now it's a break time. Now, normally in this spot, I would play uh, a promo of, of podcasts that I like or I'm listening to or think you would enjoy. 
And uh, uh, I would normally do that in this spot, one for maybe the Fortress of Bailey to Michael Bailey's many great podcasts over there. Uh, Mike Zumo's Man of Screen. These are things I'm listening to. Andrew Leyland, of course, with his Palace of Glittering Delights. Uh, Chris Honeywell, Scott McGregor with their Garage Sale Gloat. It's hysterical. It's funny. It's uh, uh, it's it makes you want to get out there and go to flea markets and yard sales every weekend. It's just a terrific show. Uh, but anyway, all of those other things. There's a, there's so many that I that I stick in periodically that you've heard. You know there are things going, on, but there's a couple of things that I wanted to tell you personally in the little break period uh, that I don't think have promos because well, one is the Facebook the website on Facebook called Superboy from the 40s to the 70s, run by Bill Hickok. If you're on Facebook, you really should check that site out and get into that. If you're into Superboy from this period of time, uh, the Superboy of Superman when he was a boy, check out Bill Hickok's Superboy from the 40s to the 70s. Okay, good. Now, the other thing that there may be a promo because it is a podcast, but I haven't seen it yet, but it's something that... Everyone who's a fan of Superman should be listening to. There's a podcast new, four or five episodes out, called Elliot Makes Stuff Up. Elliot Makes Stuff Up. And the Elliot in Elliot Makes Stuff Up is Elliot S. Magan. And he's reading chapters of Miracle Monday and releasing them as a podcast. It's the author of Superman, Miracle Monday, reading his book, a couple of chapters per episode with a few anecdotes and stories. This is a must listen for every single Superman fan. And if you're a Superboy fan, wow, there's a, there's a story in the first couple of chapters and it should just, I don't know what the chapter name is or what, he, what Elliot called it, I forgot. But it could be called um, uh, Jonathan's Nightmare. Wow. I've never uh, heard a Superboy story that, uh, from this angle, this perspective, and it's, it's, uh, it's brilliant. It's just brilliant. And... Um, you know, I hadn't read it in a long time. So that's how you have to remember now, that because this book was written. Remember when this book was written and released? 1980-81. And he probably worked on it 79-80-81. So uh, at that period of time, Superboy, Superman as a boy, was still a thing. And he deals with that in this in this book, talking about Superboy. And... I, I seriously have never heard or read a Superboy story from that perspective. So Elliot makes stuff up. Okay, it's a pot wherever you get podcasts. It's out there. Elliot S. Magan uh, reading his own book. So okay, good. Now the last time we talked about Superboy here on the Superman Forever Radio podcast. It was about his origin story in um, More Fun Comics, number 101 in 1944. Episode 116 of the Superman Forever radio podcast. Check that out. But this time, we, we skip ahead quite a, 
quite a ways from 1944 to almost 20 years later, 1962. Adventure Comics, number 302, released in September of 1962. I was 10, and it features, the cover features uh, a lead, the Legion story that's in here. Sun Boy's lost his powers, his solar powers. And the cover shows uh, Superboy and Ultra Boy using their combination of their of Superboy's heat vision and Ultra Boy's flash vision through a Brainiac machine uh, amplifier. And uh, they're beaming their heat vision, which goes into that and, and uh, is trying to restore Sun Boy's powers with no luck. That's the cover, but we're not going to talk about that story. Instead, we're talking about the story uh, that led the issue off. Superboy meets Steel Boy, released in September of 1962. Artist, Kurt Swan, Inc., George Klein, Mort Weisinger as an editor. And once again, so many times, going back to a story that sticks out in my little brain of something I read as a kid and I wanted to go back and read it again and see what it's about etc etc and then you find out well no kidding it checks all the right boxes sci-fi underground it just checks all the right boxes for me and you find out oh gee are you kidding it's Edmund Hamilton again of course uh Superboy meets Sunboy now this this or, or Steelboy rather not some boy. This um, this story is not going to win any awards. It never won any awards. It's not going to be on anybody's top ten lists of either best or worst. It's just, you know, it's just one of the hundreds of stories that uh, Ed Hamilton wrote during the Silver Age for Superman and uh, uh, other characters, and in this case, Superboy. So like I say, this is not going to win, you know, any awards, never has or whatever. But um, uh, for me, it was just, it was perfect and it just stuck out. So uh, let's see, a couple of years before this, the movie The Time Machine starring Rod Taylor had come out. And they had some great underground spooky uh, creatures in the future. Uh, was out. Journey to the Center of the Earth had been out. M- many other science fiction, both Saturday morning and B movies and stuff. That was a topic, uh, you know. Uh, I guess H.G. Wells wrote one of the first uh, um, science fiction stories about civilizations under the Earth. But that's always been something that I've always enjoyed. So no wonder. This particular story stuck out to me, even, you know, when I'm getting ready to do the show and stuff, I'm thinking, oh, I've got to do these because those are important stories and I want to talk about this. But a lot of this time, uh, this show is just going to be me now, you know, doing just this, finding the stories that popped out into my brain and they're stuck with me. And this is one of them from 1962, Superboy meets Steel Boy. All right, here we go. Nice splash page here, but this is this is the the splash page starts. A desperate call for help from a distant land far beneath Smallville catapults Superboy into one of the strangest adventures in his life. For in the unearthly country of a lost race that is threatened by alien dangers, the boy of steel encounters his own double when Superboy meets Steel Boy. One morning in the home of the Kents. Clark is off to school when Mop Kent stumbles 
and almost drops all of her dishes when Clark uses super speed and comes in and catches them and stacks them. And Clark, and then Ma Kent says, hey, be careful. What if Lana Lang sees you? And he says, don't worry. She'll never, ever see me do that kind of stuff. Ha, 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 ha. Watch out, because fate will catch up. Well, as fate would have it, uh, later with, at high school, later in high school at, at class, Clark overhears uh, his Professor Bailey, <laughs> hey, Professor Bailey, uh, talking, and uh, it, it's a little heated. And, uh, and apparently what's happened is the boss of the school is yelling at Professor Bailey to knock it off, whatever it is he's doing. Well, Clark goes in and says, what's going on? And Professor Bailey tells him he has been listening to messages with his radio stupor looper. I forgot what it was called. Radioscopic something. And he's gotten a message from far below the earth that he's gotten a message from far below the earth. And he shows Clark on a map and he says, I think it's right about here somewhere. And I can't, but I can't decipher the language and they're going to cut off my funding if I can't prove what's going on in this message here. Well, Clark says, gee, maybe I should uh, er, uh, find Superboy. Maybe he could give you some help. Oh, that'd be great. Later, of course. Like, don't know. It doesn't tell you how much later. It all, it's one panel. Outside, changes to Superboy. Next panel, inside, doing this. Doing, working with Professor Bailey. Superboy, using super speed and super intellect, starts reading every possible things about language and code. And in this language, the only recognizable word in the message is the word Superboy. Ha <laughs> ha. Well, Superboy goes to the blackboard. After, you know, learning all these, reading at super speed and learning all this stuff, he now knows the language. It's a dead language that hasn't been used for years. And here's the message, Professor. It's a call to me, a call for help. I've got to answer it at once. And on the blackboard, Superboy, my world below the earth desperately needs your help. Queen Luella. Well, Superboy goes out and goes to the coordinates, established, starts burrowing through the earth, goes straight down. And the signal came from 25 miles below this point. Digging 25 miles down, he finally breaks through to this huge cavern. What? There's this huge cavern and a big city down there. How is it lit? This is incredible. What's going on down here? And then he notices they have an artificial sun and the big city. Well, he decides he's going to take a closer look at the city. So he uses his telescopic vision. He looks down there and sees, my goodness, they're dressed in normal clothing and they look just like we do. Uh, and there's a bunch of people down there dressed in appropriate, you know, 50s-type clothing. And uh, Superboy decides to change to Clark Kent, so he'll mix in, and now that he's learned the language, he'll kind of see what's going on down there. So he goes down, changes to Clark Kent, when all of a sudden a fire breaks out above, uh, in one of the rooms above the th of the, one of the taller buildings. Clark says, hmm, there's a fire, I guess I'd better change to... Wait, what is that? And then all of a sudden, what appears to be Superboy is flying towards the fire. Superboy himself is a little amazed and says, what is, what is, what? It looks like me. 
And then he overhears two guys in front of him that are obviously the bad guy because one of them has like a goatee and a little mustache. So he's obviously the bad guy. But he's talking to his little henchman guy, telling him that at last our plan uh, this time will work. That fire will burn off the costume of Steel Boy and we'll be able to finally prove that Steel Boy is not human, that he is simply a robot. And Queen Luella will lose her throne. We can use that against her or something, blah, blah, blah. Well, Clark says, oh, I wonder if that's true. And he uses his supervision, of course, to take a look. And he goes, oh, that's incredible. Steel Boy is a robot. And he says, thinks to himself, well, until I figure this out, I'm going to help out that uh, Steel Boy robot. So he uses his super, super breath, to a streamlined, powerful breath from across the street and blows out the fire before Steel Boy can get there. Steel Boy looks at the crowd and says, see, everything's fine, uh, you know. So Steel Boy is talking to the crowd below. Uh, There you go. It's all safe. There you go. Bye. And Clark says, hmm, I think I'll uh, switch, which he does, to Superboy and follow the robot, which he does. And uh, the robot flies across town to the largest city, the castle-looking thing. A little door opens. Steel Boy flies in, and look who follows him. Inside, Superboy follows the robot as it lands in front of someone who looks just like Lana Lang. But she's got a little tiara on, a little crown. Oh, good. Superboy, you got my message. Oh, the bad guy's name is Duville, by the way. D-U-V-I-L-L. And Duville wants to prove that Steel Boy is a robot so that Queen Luella will lose the confidence of Sabania. S-U-B-B-A-N-I-A. And they spell Queen Luella with two L's, L-U-E-L-L-A. How did you know about me, says Superboy to his, to Lana's double, Queen Luella? Well, simply, this sonar television, an invention of my father before he died. Why is the robot Steel Boy just like me? My father observed your great feats in the above world and made this copy of you to give our people confidence that our enemies would not hurt us because of Steel Boy. Superboy examines the robot, sees how it works, and says, With this terrific robot, why would you need my help? And she tells him about Duville trying to, you know, expose that he's a robot. So that's his plan, says Superboy. I'm glad I blocked his little trick. See, she can't let him go because Sabania is is uh, is uh, threatened by these huge crystal men who developed underground, not above ground like they did. And Superboy says, whoa, whoa, you guys came from Earth? Yeah. And Queen Luella says... Yes, long ago, long ages ago in the past, we dwelt in peace and on earth beneath the real sun. We were fast learning science. One of our scientists learned that we were about to be attacked by a meteor storm. There's no doubt a great swarm of meteors is approaching earth and will bombard our land. For safety during the meteor shower, we can all enter the great caves beneath our land. Hurry. This night, the meteors will fall. Ooh, we got stuff. So they took lots of torch materials and all the stuff they needed. They got into the cave. That night, the sky rained down upon the heavens. But then, as they were underground, the meteor shower caused a great earthquake, blocking their exit. 
So they just kept going down further and further and further underground or farther. I never do get those two right. But they kept going down and down and down instead of up. It never went up. Oh, no, look, crystal men. Well, they didn't attack because there was only a couple of them, like a couple of scout crystal men. Then their last few torches were expiring. And just in time, they found the great cavern, which was lit by a glowing rock. They controlled it and created an artificial sun. And they had scientific means to release nitrogen and oxygen from the rocks, which will work for generations. And now their race is so adapted. They couldn't live above the surf- on the surface if they wanted to now because they've adapted so. They have to stay here. But the danger of the crystal men. Queen Luella says, they try periodically to break into our side, but I've used Steel Boy to get rid of him. But I'm afraid he's just not going to be able to do it and keep doing the run. And the fact that she's afraid that if she sends Steel Boy out again, that he's going to fall into one of Duville's traps. So Superboy says, stay here, I'll do the, the thing here, and let's see. Hmm, Steel Boy. So he says, if anyone sees me, they'll just think I'm Steel Boy. So Superboy flew out, went into the, uh, looked in the caverns and found, I think this is interesting, internally he says, I need to help, I need to help, because I feel a little guilty because they made this situation because they were trying to, you know, imitate me. So I've got to help these people. Yeah, interesting. But then he starts to hear something and he realizes, "Uh uh-oh, here come the crystal men. And he hears their vibrations and he goes, hmm, well, I can't kill them. They are living creatures, but what can I do? Well, he creates kind of a weapon, a huge 12-foot tall tuning fork to give off these powerful sound waves. It will crack and shatter crystal if it's close enough. So Superboy hits it. It starts vibrating. As the crystal men get near it, they start feeling the vibrations. Go, oh, no, we can't do go near that because if we get too close, it'll kill us. So they say, we'll never go back there again. And then as soon as they go back through the hole, Superboy closes up the only way that the crystal men have of getting to the humans. Yay, crisis diverted. And then a messenger comes to the queen and says... Uh, there's a there's a big gray chemical cloud over the city. It's going to kill people. We need help. And she thinks, well, Superboy's still away. I'm going to have to send Steelboy to this and take the chance. And Steelboy starts to go towards the cloud. And Duville, the bad guy, is saying, good, we got him this time. Steelboy does fly into the cloud And it starts to disintegrate his clothing and his mechanisms. Superboy comes back in time to see what's going on in there. And super speed flies into the cloud, gets Steelboy out, and then takes care of the cloud on his own. Basically, Duville almost twirls his mustache and says, Curses! Foiled again! Uh, He doesn't, but he could. So after Superboy disperses the cloud, Duville's henchman says look steel boy just flew whirly thing around the the cloud and dispersed it and the chemical didn't bother him he must not be a robot he's probably human duville of course didn't want to give up and says no maybe he was coated with some sort of acid proof chemical i'll prove he's metal yet well superboy overhears him saying that but he needs to get back to the uh, palace and when he gets back to the palace um, Luella, Queen Luella says, oh dear, he is corroded. I shouldn't have sent him in there. It's my fault. He's beyond repair. 
And Superboy says, well, I could build you another robot. But because, you know, in this time period, both Superboy and Superman have robots. And uh, Superboy says, well, I could build you another robot. But DeVille would continue with his schemes, you know. So and she says, well, when you go back to your above world, then uh, I'll just do the best I can. You've done what you could do. And thanks a lot. And he says, well, I have another idea. And I'm not going to leave you until we figure this thing out, until we uh, uh, solve the problem. Well, just then, all the light goes dark. Their artificial sun is out. And uh, Superboy flies up to see what's going on and realizes that uh, the sun went out because of a plot that Duville is hatching. Duville has come up with this huge electromagnet, and to power it, he needed the power from the sun, so he diverted the power. Superboy sees this and flies down and acts as if the the magnet is drawing him and holding him tight to the uh, to the surface of the magnet. Deville comes over and says, finally, got you. And he raises Superboy's shirt and he's got like a wrench in his hand. And he goes, where is the opening in this thing? I can't figure, this is crazy. The skin protection thing. What is, and, and, and Superboy just kind of leans forward and smiles and pulls his shirt down and says, uh... Probably because, you know, there's no metal here. I'm not being held. What? You're, you can't be. That's not. It can't be. Oh, no. Ah. And Superboy goes over and flips the switch and turns the sun back on and exposes to the people what Duvel had been doing and why the lights went out and uh, uh, builds a little cage and takes him off to jail. But the problem still persists. What are they going to do without a steel boy now? And Superboy says, well, I have an idea. Well, now that Duville is in jail, everything seems good, but Queen Luella is still, you know, worried because eventually he's going to get out of jail and he's going to continue to prove, try to prove that Steel Boy, and we won't have a Steel Boy even if you make me another robot, but you said you had a way of making a robot that wasn't steel. Yes, on a faraway planet, when I helped another, uh, this other planet, they used androids they made androids for servants now an android is a synthetic life form that doesn't have uh isn't made of steel so superboy goes about getting the chemicals together and uh, making a mold flying it up to their artificial sun then creating electricity a huge amount of electricity to run it through They heat it up, now Superboy-looking double, to bring it to life. So now Superboy has this duplicate android that has somehow all of his superpowers, or most of them, and uh, um, he takes it to the queen and says, here, here's your new, and he'll follow all your orders, and he'll protect your city now, and he has, you know, superpowers. There you go, an android. Cool. And Queen Luella says, we need to show him to our people now and introduce him, etc. And, and Clark, or Superboy says, okay, but so there won't be any confusion and the people won't see us both. I'll switch back to my secret identity of Clark Kent. So right there in front of Queen Luella, he puts on his Clark Kent clothes. So now there's Steel Boy and Clark standing side by side. And he thinks, wow, if that was the real Lana, this would be awkward. 
Uh, but then they go out and Queen Luella says, hey, here's stu- here's not the new Stubo, but here's your steel boy. And he just wanted to say thank you and hi, and I'll be protecting you. In the ta- and he talks and Clark is very proud of his android creation. And the crowd makes fun of Duville in his jail cell. And like Lex Luthor, I'll still prove it. Don't you give up. And then we have a scene of Clark and Lana back on the surface now, off to school. And Lana says, Clark, you have a faraway look in your eye. Where have you been? What's going on? And he's just saying, oh, if you only knew, Lana, that blah, 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 saw me change and knows my secret. And they look just like you. And you'll never know. The end. Now, again, absolutely I'm not even sure I did this justice. Just a great, great little story that stuck with me. And the artwork is, I guess, what really did it. No, it couldn't be just the artwork. It's the idea that all of it, Superboy, right from the beginning, it's just a Superboy story. Right from the very beginning, he does a super feat saving the dishes out of Ma Kent. Then very next, you know, couple of panels, he's in high school. He switches to Superboy. And uh, using his intellect, learns this dead language, drills down to the center, well, not to the center, but to the cave, to this huge open cave, disguises Clark Kent and, and, and mixes in with the people, learns the plot of Duville, saves the robot, then doesn't save the robot, but creates an android to then stay down there and protect the city of Sabania. Uh, it, 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 what a what a great story! Crystal men that he you know keeps back with a giant tuning fork. I mean, really, this is it's just it's so good, so good. Um, but it's this android, and I'm and I was thinking, you know, even as a kid after reading this, I thought, wow, if you could make a super android when you were super boy, why dot 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 basically. You know, then in the Superman comics, why are you still using robots when you go back up top? Why don't you use this process to make, uh, to exchange all of your robots or at least have a few of these Superboy, Superman androids? You would think even by the time he grew up then to become Superman and had a whole fleet of robots in the fortress, in his Clark Kent closet, in uh, just everywhere. He had robots all over the place. Linda Lee, uh, Supergirl, had robots hidden in the tree of herself. So there were robots all over the place. Why didn't you use these androids? Seems like it's better technology. Uh well, that's just one question. Almost every panel of every page raises a ton of other questions. Also, here's another Here's another thing, but we're not into this continuity anymore because they've, you know, uh, modern comic, everything is different. This doesn't exist anymore. It's been erased from time, from the continuity. We still have the comic to read and enjoy, but as far as modern comics go, this story no longer exists. It doesn't exist. But I, I was thinking, wouldn't it be cool now if all of a sudden in, you know, uh, it would have been a, a, a follow-up to this in Action or Superman, say 15, 20 years later, Clark Kent's at his desk in, uh, in, um, in the Daily Planet, and the android shows up. The Superboy android shows up. And just take it from there. I mean, they need you. Now, Queen Luella has aged. She's also now going to be 30-ish, 35-ish. 
but here's still a super boy. Why didn't he get older? What happened? What do they need to do? Why is he here? Okay, the follow-up. Then Superman goes back down to Sabania for a new adventure. Okay, terrific. I, I, I really do. I just I could talk about this story forever. I love so many crazy, stupid elements about it. And it just stuck with me because of, I guess, the underground stuff, the whole city underground, the earthlings, the crystal men, making an android duplicate of yourself. Uh, just great. 1962. Ed Hamilton, Kurt Swan, George Klein, editor Mort Weisinger. Again, no awards, no top lists. No lists but do you remember this story? Any of you out there, do you remember the story? I don't think it's been reprinted anywhere either. So... Also, I thought, you know, <clears throat> I would look for a better copy to when I was going to read this. I pulled out my paper copy, of course, and it's, you know, hard for me to see. And I look online, I found a digital copy, but that's not really much better. Uh, well, Coma, Comixology, actually, Comixology has a fairly decent um, uh, amount of comics from this era of adventure comics. But they don't have this one. They have 300 304, 306, 308, 307, 9, 10, blah, blah, blah. But they kind of skipped Adventure Comics 302. I guess they either don't like this particular story or the Legion story was not good enough for them or wasn't part of a, an ongoing uh, tale. Nevertheless, one of my favorites, both the cover of Superboy and Ultra Boy trying to get back Solar Boy's power or Sun Boy's power, solar powers, and this very fun science fiction story of the city beneath the earth that apparently is still there. I mean, you know, again, in at this time, this was not what they would call an imaginary story out of continuity. So in the Silver Age, all the way through the Bronze Age, right up to 1986, they could have revisited this story. It had still existed in the timeline, Sabania. So, um, Grant Morris, you're listening. We got a story waiting for you here. <laughs> Uh, okay, that should do it. Adventure Comics number 302 from September of 1962. Cover date November, release date September 1962. Okay, that'll wrap it up. Episode 118, Superman Forever Radio. That's it. Uh, coming up next on the Superman Forever Radio podcast, what kind of dad was Superman? We'll find out in Superman Jr., from the late 50s. And then the next Superboy will feature his best pal, Pete Ross. So that's what's coming up in the next couple of uh, episodes of the Superman Forever Radio podcast. So so stay tuned. And thanks for tuning in. I do appreciate it. Uh, if you want to send me email, send it to bob at supermanforever.com. We'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs> Don't miss the next thrill-packed episode in the amazing adventures of the Superman Forever radio podcast. Superman is based on the original character appearing in Superman magazine and action comics. Superman and Superboy, copyright DC Comics. Superman and Superboy, created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster.